Thanks to that piece of <laughs> lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast. Bash us. All right, everybody. New York's finest retired unfiltered podcast is your 265 Police Live series. I'm Eric Dim, your most complained cop, NYPD. And along with me is John McCarry, the founder and the co-host of the podcast, retired lieutenant, unvaccinated. What's going on, my brother? What's up, brother? I wanted to get into the NYPD use of drones. I want to explore if uh, we think it's illegal, if we think it's moral, if we think it's proper for the NYPD to monitor backyard parties of really law-abiding citizens to see how many people they have, what they're doing in their backyard video to gather evidence to be used for enforcement reasons. I want to get into that. But before we get into that, let's get into Sergeant Eric Duran. He's the NYPD sergeant, narcotics sergeant. He was involved in a buy and bust operation. Perpetrator tried to flee on a moped. Sergeant Duran threw a cooler at the individual. But unfortunately, it caused the defendant to fall off of the moped and caused a fatality. The fate that the fatality occurred, did it occur because the defendant ran from the police and the police were just trying to stop him? Or did it occur from Sergeant Eric Duran's actions? That's something that will be determined in a court of law. But he's now receiving death threats. What do you think about that, Eric? Well, I'd like to say exactly what I've been talking about for the longest time. I've actually put some tweets on it. There's a problematic issue going on within the police department for the longest time. And right now it's more prevalent than ever. It's symptomatic. And it's called It Won't Happen to Me. And I'm sure Officer Daniel Pantaleo, Sergeant Hugh Barry, and now Sergeant Duran feel the same way or same way at some point. Hey, it won't happen to me. And now it did. So that's the message to the cops out there. You and I have been pretty expressive saying to avoid these car pursuits, avoid pursuits of any kind, especially with these mopeds, because the outcome could be badly and ultimately deadly. And will it outweigh the circumstances just as we saw in this particular one? Do I have a problem with the cooler? Absolutely not. I think we should stand behind him. He did his job as he's paid and trained to do. He used his resources that in and around him, he improvised and he, he overcame and he adapted by utilizing a cooler to apprehend his perpetrator. Did it matter if he threw a punch or a strike or a kick or what other device? I don't think it makes a difference. The ultimate goal was to get the perpetrator, and that's what he did. I'm in 100% agreement with you. It doesn't matter. And he'd be in the same situation now. So all you guys that are making memes, everybody that's wrote him off. Oh, I've been on the job for 38 years. I've been on the job since you were born. I'm still on the job. I've been on the job for two years and I have three arrests, but I'm a detective. All you guys out there that are writing him off, that are that are that have just sold him out, you're basically just writing yourself off. But you made a bunch of funny memes. Congratulations. Uh, again, you're abusing yourself. Uh, you're making your profession even more unviable. It's not even one right now. Um, and so basically anything that happens to you, whether you follow the patrol guide to a T, you followed your training and the law to a T, you will be in the same situation as Sergeant Eric Duran. Sergeant Eric Duran, we support you. We know your intentions were not to harm or hurt that individual, but to stop him and get an, an effect and arrest like you've done thousands of times in the past. Unfortunately, in this unlucky situation, the defendant fell and died. Um, so we support you. We're here for you. Yes, we make memes, but they're never directed at individual offices. Uh, 
Absolutely. And I've said this before and I'm saying it again. It's quite too early in the game to be making memes and jokes about Sergeant Duran. He needs more support now than ever. If the outcome has him not guilty for civil liability and ultimately in court for his life, then it, as time goes on, time heals everything, then it would be the opportunity to make jokes. But I think it's quite too early, completely insensitive when a fellow cop, sergeant, anyone on the job is going through struggle as such. And right now he feels by himself alone and no one's supporting him. This is absolutely ridiculous. How would you feel if this happened to you? Does it matter if it's a cooler, whatever the case is? They say it's a family. This is how a family treats each other. Imagine if this was your mother or brother. Is this how you would support them? Well, I tell you what, if that's how you would support them, that's a family I don't want to be a part of. John said it many times, and, and I'm sure he'll say it again, that the only time the law enforcement, especially the NYPD, treats each other as family is in death. And, and I don't want to wait to that point. Absolutely. And we're not we're not standing around for him now, his mental health, anything. And what do you think the public thinks about cops joking about a young man losing his life because of that? I mean, they you're basically portraying what we're wrongfully, in my opinion, that they think we are. I think we're dumb, idiot brutalizers. And, you know, I get you having fun, but you're having fun at somebody's expense, at a family's expense. You want to poke fun at the mayor, the chiefs, the police commissioner. It's completely different. They're political figures. It's, it's you know, you're basically just mocking them in their r- ridiculous situations. But to mock the sergeant's wrong, again, Sergeant Eric Durant, we support you. We're praying for you. We're praying for the family of the affected as well. You know, it's not, it's, this isn't an outcome that anybody wanted. You know, a young man lost his life. I believe his actions caused him to lose his life. Um you know, this is why it's when we say, you know, you should comply, you should comply with the police, take the arrest, take the summons, whatever it is, have your day in court. This our justice system, as broken as it is in New York, it still works. Fighting with the police does not help anything. Running from the police does not help anything. It, it increases the chance of injury or death significantly. Don't do it. Absolutely. You actually just said most of the stuff I was going to say anyway. I can't agree with you more because I, I would have said the same thing. So my message, again, just to piggyback off what you said, is you have to comply. Whether the cop is morally correct or working in the confines of the law, according to his geographical area of employment, if he's acting within the law appropriately or not, to comply is to save lives for yourself and for the cop, for everyone that's in and around you. That's the whole purpose of our justice system. The court has the opportunity, uh, opportunity to work things out. We have a system for that reason. And ultimately, it does. So we have to allow these things to play out. But the time in the street, there's just too many variables. And I do believe that if you do not comply with the police, you are putting your own life in your hands. Whether the police officer is right or wrong, that's not the point. And then that's not the directive at that point to have that discussion. And you're putting your life at risk and others. It's just completely irresponsible at that point, and you'd be unaccountable. So while we're no longer using the heavy hand towards criminals, we let children riot. And they're not even children. They're actually adult age. We let them riot in New York City streets, destroy property, assault people, sell drugs, uh, sleep on the streets, rob people, uh, steal from people, set up fake vendors everywhere. So while we have no more laws in New York City, uh, New York City mayor decides this would be a great time to use drones to, in my opinion, further attack the constitutional rights of 
law-abiding, mainly law-abiding citizens, by using drones to fly over your backyard to video record you, to gather evidence against you for enforcement purposes of backyard parties. And God knows what else. Once we unleash this, God knows what other slippery slope this could be used for in time. In the small town of Westport, Connecticut, a drone is scanning for COVID-19 symptoms. And they can use them to spot and warn people who are gathered too closely. But now, Dragonfly, the company that makes the drones, claims they can also detect whether you're running a fever, sneezing, or coughing heavily, all through a single camera flying 40 feet overhead. This is the first time Americans have been scanned for symptoms in this way. You know, other type of enforcement towards you you know, obviously, we always see summonses are are really just taxation on the public. Camera lights, speed lights, muffler lights. We have all of these lights now in New York City to just send you money to take, send you tickets, and you have no real ability to fight against them, and you have to pay these fines. So, I personally think they're illegal. Eric, what do you think about the use of drones for backyard parties? Well, absolutely. You and I have spoke about this. I think there is an a right to privacy, I think, in your backyard, and that that would be included as well. It's part of domain. You have a deed for a house, and your backyard is part of that deed. Your house is your domain. In America, that is your domain. That's part of yourself. So that is in accordance with search and seizure, which is the Fourth Amendment. There's a case, and I've been looking for it. I can't find it. I told you I've been looking for it. Hopefully I find it. There's a case of someone that was actually smoking marijuana in their window. And the person's body is kind of half out the window, half inside the window, smoking marijuana when marijuana was illegal. And at the time, I remember reading that case that the police officers did not have the right to make that arrest because this person was in their domain. So I do think that this correlates being in your backyard. So this also raises the question. So if you're in your backyard right now, if you want to continue your right to privacy and it's going to be violated by these drones, do you now have to get yourself a lanai? like you do in Florida, to cover that backyard? What if you're in your backyard? And, and I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that I would do this, but it's your backyard. You could do what you want. If you have all consenting adults, what if you decide to have a nudist type of party? What if you have a pool day, you decide to go skinny dipping? That's your right. That's your backyard. That's your domain. It's not exposed to the public. I think this violates the Constitution completely. I think it violates the amendment, the Fourth Amendment. And the question, again, is if the police officers do make an observation, what are they going to do from that point? I think you have to get a search warrant. I think it's completely absurd. I agree. So everyone's saying you do not have a reasonable, well, not everybody, but some people are saying you do not have a reasonable <laughs> expectation of privacy in your backyard. I don't agree at all. And I believe that there's case law that states this. So the, the argument against us saying that it's legal, it's perfectly fine. And I don't know why any cop is OK with this. The, the, honestly, they sit in their backyard. Um, I actually had an incident in Staten Island where my wife is like sunbathing in her, her bikini. I walk outside and there's a huge drone hovering over her. She doesn't even realize she's sleeping. I grab my pool skimmer and I was going to take it down. But it flew off. It flew off miles away from my house over towards like of anyone familiar with Staten Island over towards Father Capitano, very far away, where I have no idea where it came from or how it even got there. And I believe, you know, and my first thing is, well, from how far don't you have a reasonable expectation? From 20 feet in the air, from 1,000 feet in the air, from 10,000 feet in the air? Um, you know, uh, I heard a lot of people, I posted, I posted specifically about uh, 
I think it was Kylo versus California, where the police were using use of radar and thermal images to look inside of someone's inside of and around to see if they were growing any type of drugs. And the court ruled that that's an unreasonable search because even if you set up equipment on the street that's in public, but it could look into someone's private domain in or around the house, which means your backyard, that that is an unreasonable search. And the reason that they made the determination was based upon new technology as it emerges, because we still have to protect Fourth Amendment violation. Uh, uh, Eric, are you familiar with that one at all? The Kylo versus California? Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you think that applies here? Do you think that would apply to today specifically for the drones? Yeah, definitely. It definitely raises questions. I think it's an unreasonable search. Again, I, I, I've said, I mean, we can correlate to, this, to, to the patent rule right now, which is a Supreme Court case in order to grab a perpetrator in their home. For one, it has to be their home, and they would actually have to be at the threshold of the door. So if I had someone inside an apartment and well, let, let's just let me let me track back. Let's say we had someone in a third party house. So let's say we have someone, let's say John, for instance, you are in in my house and someone comes to grab you and you are inside the apartment. The police the police cannot just enter that apartment and grab you unless you're at the threshold of the door. It is considered that that threshold is understood that you're kind of crossing the domain. But if you're inside the apartment, in order to apprehend you, they would actually need a search warrant. So I do think it correlates to that. Yeah, so that was actually that case that I was speaking about with the with the thermal imaging that was outside of the person's residence but was able to look inside. That was Kylo versus United States. And that was in 2001 was that decision. So that's the nearest hearing we've heard about these emergent technologies inside and around homes, right? Prior to that, uh, I had a lot of people contact me about California versus Sierra. And what that one was is a plane observes someone plane traveling in its own plane route, right? It's, it's, it's plane route sees marijuana down on somebody's property, tips off the police, the police go there, find the marijuana. Supreme Court rules that you have no reasonable expectation of privacy in that case because it's so high up in the air. I don't agree with that statement, by the way. I don't. I think that they're wrong. And what happens later in that case is the the, the person's found guilty. Like Supreme Court makes that decision, but the person appeals in the lower court and the over court re- overturns the decision and says, "No, you have a reasonable expectation of privacy." And I do believe that that's the right the right um, the right statement. But I could see on the other end how you could say, "Well." I'm, I'm, I'm 10,000 feet in the air and I look down and it's just plain as day staring me in the face. What, what do you think about that case, Eric? You know what? That actually, what that makes me think about is, is Google Maps, actually. Right? Because the only time I could think that you would see something from a space that, that is, is high up in altitude that someone would not be utilizing other than airspace for transportation would be Google Maps. So I'm curious. I actually have to start perusing Google Maps to see what type type of stuff is captured. I, I know we see cars, see houses. I'm curious if they view Google Maps in backyards, if there was a party there at the time, they would, would they actually 
use that for the pictures for Google Maps. Right? I mean, this is from an altitude that is, is from space. I mean, how many how many meters or feet would that be? It's something I think that it's quite interesting to raise that question. If Google Maps was to capture something, would that exceed your expectation of privacy? Would that be something that a lot? It does raise some questions. But I mean, I'm, what I'm I think that we how Google Maps could even do that, to be honest with you. Who the hell gave them the right to, to, to post anything about my house? And I know if you contact them, they'll blur out the image. They'll blur out. Well, that was good. John, I'm so glad that you just said that. That was actually going to be the next thing I was going to say is if you do contact them, they will blur something out. So that does lead me to believe that what right do they actually have? Because if they did capture something in a backyard, let's say, like I said, a nudist party, could they actually keep that as the picture? And, I, you know, would you have to call them to blur it out? I, I mean, it it does raise a lot of questions. I, I think the problem with the drones is that it's intentional. If I send the drone out at a low altitude, it's intentional to watch that backyard. That's where I think it's extremely problematic. So now let's fast forward to Florida versus Riley. I think this decision was in 89. I'm not 100%. Um, but again, it was a far off decision where anonymous tipster calls in, says this guy's growing marijuana on his property. Cops take a helicopter 400 feet out, not in a plane ride, fly over this guy's property, see the marijuana, uh, come in, make the arrest. Supreme Court rules. You do not have unreasonable search. Police could fly low over your property. Again, I think that's a terrible decision. Uh, again, in the lower court. The person appeals and wins and it's overturned. It says, no, you have a, re a reasonable expectation of privacy on your property. So, I mean, you know, we have these two decisions. Well, really three. I think the only one that really correlates to emergent technology is is Kylo from the United States uh, versus United States. And then we have the two other the two other decisions that both say that you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in your yard, but they were both overturned on appeal. So I don't know where we sit right now. I don't believe that there's even legislation or a decision based on that, but based upon my understanding of the United States constitution, it's my property. I 1000% have an, I have a reasonable expectation of privacy in my backyard to do as I please. I agree. I agree. I, I'm curious about that case, and I have to read more into it. Uh, the one with the flyover, where they actually apprehend the perpetrators and they obtain the illegal marijuana that was being grown. And, and I'm not sure. We, I have to read more into this. Were there several tips involved? Was this an ongoing case? To me, just a fly-by incident. Here we tip. have the West Indian Parade. Anonymous tip. Anonymous tipster. One anonymous tipster. Well, I would think uh, 100% that it violates the complete two-prong two-prong rule that we have learned when it comes to court cases, right, to meet the the credibility to actually conduct a stop in the street, whether it's in a car or someone walking. And I think this is on the same parallel. When you, when you, right, when you, when you do intrusive police work, 100%. right, in and around someone's domain, it's on the same par. So it has to meet the two-prong rule, right? The, the, first of all, the information has to be credible and it has to come from an actual source. An anonymous source we know is not enough information just 
based on the information that we have. So I would I would say it's an unreasonable search. And I would think that if we do have a case going forward that comes out of this, I would put my money that a judge would find that it's no good, or at least the Court of Appeals. I I, I 100% agree. I don't see how any cop could see that. I 100% agree with you. How can you have all of these levels intrusion where the police have no authority to even stop you in the street, ask your question, uh, obtain information on you, use enforcement against you, search you out on a public street, but I could enter your home and your residence and your domain and your backyard and I could, I could, I could stop you and arrest you and you take evidence against you. I don't see it. For all of you that don't understand what we're talking about and think, what's the big deal? I'm not doing anything in my backyard. I don't care if people fly over. That's the same ignorant thought I had about, well, I don't care if the government phone taps me because I'm not a terrorist, right? Like during the Patriot Act. And then now, you know, who knows? I criticize Mayor Eric Adams and eventually down the road, you know, that's a big deal. And I lose my job because of it. I mean, I'm not okay with saying, hey, big brother, I don't do anything wrong. You could look at me. No, there's a constitution for a reason. Uh, freedom is never more than one generation away from losing it. And here we are. We're on the brink of losing it. The people that I expect to stand up for it more than the average citizen are the people that actually swore the oath. You swore an oath before God to protect and defend the United States Constitution. You should have to understand what that Constitution is prior to doing that. And I don't believe that anyone that supports flying drones over people's backyards actually does that. I'm going to give an actual scenario where I believe that the drone could possibly be considered to be used. But it would be a short period of time. And it would be this. So there is a court case we can look and if the cops know about it, anybody's going to study. This is a very important court case. And I think this is a court case that actually saves police officers' lives. And it's called a protective sweep. So when you enter someone's domain, their house, their apartment, it's understood that that apartment, that domain is unknown to you and to maintain safety. John, let's say, for instance, you and I are working together. Are you familiar with this case? I I'm sure you probably are. But let's say, for instance, John, you and I are working together and we go to a an apartment for a family dispute and um, it's a three bedroom apartment with a living room. It's a large apartment. And we, we are con confronted and we encountered the, the husband and wife initially, as soon as we enter. So the court, obviously at this point, even though we have the subjects involved and we're going to take, we want to make sure that the entire apartment is safe. We don't want to make sure that someone doesn't come out with a shotgun. So a protective sweep by a court case in the past gives cops a right to just walk through the entire apartment, a quick glance, just to make sure no one's sitting there with a firearm, just as Detective Rivera and Mora were killed. And that's called a protective sweep. So I wish they would have utilized that protective sweep. Hopefully that, God forbid, keep someone alive. And I do believe that that could have saved their lives as well. So this is something that we need to teach. So I do believe that, let's say, for instance, at a West Indian parade with a large, huge party, if we got a domestic complaint or some type of complaint, if two police officers went there, I do think that maybe a drone could be used to do a quick protective sweep for the backyard while they're doing a sweep of the apartment to make sure nobody has a firearm to shoot them. That's one of the few times I think it could be used. What do you think about that? I mean, I have no problem with a protective sweep. I have no problem with it monitoring parades or anything. We have cameras all over, right? I don't believe that that's, 
you know, I don't believe that that it, now when we're talking in backyards that police officers are not allowed to enter, but you're going to send a drone over the backyard. I have a problem with that. I do. I, you know, I, I mean, that's something that like if now if the cops involved, if there's an extinction circumstance, there's shots fired in the backyard, right? Cops going to enter. There's someone injured in the backyard. Cops going to enter. There's someone having a medical cops going to enter. Yes. Then a thousand percent. I believe that a protective sweep should come over. Um, Another thing I want to highlight is just the fact of let's go back to the mandates. Let's go back to Andrew Cuomo. Let's go back to you can't have six people, more than six people in your house on Thanksgiving. Let's go back to Andrew Cuomo. Everyone had pictures in the window of Andrew Cuomo's head in the restaurants. Oh, it was funny. It's funny. It's funny. But it's not going to be funny when there's a drone over your house and they're and they're enforcing some type of illegal mandate like that. You must stay home. Only be outside for food, for health reasons, for exercise, alone or with members of your household, or if you're an essential key worker. And that's where I believe that stuff like this could lead. You're not allowed to have people in your house. Climate change. You're not allowed to have barbecues. Oh, my God. This guy's got a coal-fired pizza oven. Oh, my God. He's got a wood-fired pizza oven with non-vegan meat in it. Like, this is this is where this could go. This is a very, very slippery slope here. You cops need to wake up. You really do, especially you 30 year men. Like it's, it really, it really bothers me. And like, I, I kind of want to, before I posted about it, I knew exactly who was going to come at me. And I said, it's going to be guys in the detective squad that have over 20 years on particularly supervisors that are going to come at me and say, no, we could do that. And I, I'm not okay with it. I don't see how you how you could be either. I don't see how, as an American, you could be okay with it. Well, I think for one, I think it's completely sadistic. I think it's extremely problematic. It's unfortunate. You know, I support I support good police officers. Most of our police officers are fantastic, but unfortunately, we have been uh, unfortunately riddled with some police officers and and law enforcement officers that have been involved in some sex offense type scams. And these drones could be used for that type. And, and here you are. You said your wife was bathing in the backyard. She has a right to her privacy. If she decides to take her top off and that makes it to, to sunbathe, that's her right. But she wants to feel comfortable. And if there's a drone flying over, that's a complete violation of her privacy. Police, including the NYPD, using drones to monitor events. But as Emily Aketa tells us, it's also raising concerns about privacy. New York City has increasingly leaned on drones this year which have scanned shorelines for sharks and helped size the crowd of a giveaway gone awry last month. But what police have called an asset, critics are concerned could become Big Brother. What we don't want to see is this bleeding out to sort of routine patrols by drones, routine hovering over our homes and over our communities. NYPD numbers show the department used drones 34 times last year. Well, in just the first half of this year, that use has more than tripled. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's just the thing of it. I mean, this was a large commercial drone that flew over my yard. I was still on the job at the time. And I literally, I was like, if this thing comes back, I'm taking it down. I don't care if it's the police departments. I didn't have any marking on it that it was. But that was my thought process. I said, I'll get arrested for this today and we'll fight this out in court because this is absolutely ridiculous. Thing was hovering at about eight feet in my personal yard. I'm not okay with it. There was nothing going on in my yard other than we were hanging out. My family was hanging out in the yard enjoying the pool on a summer day. Um, so, and I don't, I don't need, I don't need cops looking at it. You know, I know nephew Kaz 
had told the media that uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, commission assistant commissioner Kaz has told the media that, you know, we're going to we're going to use send up our resources. You know, this is the problem when I think we promote people that don't understand the law. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but I heard from several sources that he's not able to testify in court because of actions he had on the job and him not ever being a supervisor. So if he can't testify in court, I don't believe that he should be pushing policy where we're bordering on what's legal or not. Um, and I don't believe he should even be speaking to the media at this point, because then he, he, to my to my knowledge, that means that you're not a credible person. I don't believe you should be in a position of authority, especially in the New York City Police Department, what people are. So nephew Kaz, I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, feel free to weigh in. You're, you're more than welcome to come on here. I do not think you should have been appointed to an assistant commissioner spot. I think you should have need to be in a supervisory role. I think you circumvented that process of having to be a sergeant, be out on patrol, be a desk officer, circumvented the same thing as a lieutenant, as a captain, making your way up. I believe that Eric Adams circumvented that whole process for you as well as other people. I'm not going to say Shepard because he actually went through it and he was a supervisor for a few years, you know, um, but I believe that process is being circumvented. So feel free, you know, you have media, get a, you know, you have all, you, you've never had to abide by the same rules as anyone in the New York City Police Department ever anyway, from when the time you were a rookie all the way up till now. So feel free to come on. You can tell us where we're wrong. We can talk about your boots on the ground career. You can criticize me and Eric. We're more than open to it. So feel free. You're welcome. Absolutely. I'd like to move on to another topic. And I, real, real briefly, I don't want to give them any more clout than they already have. But the New York City PBA, I think that Pat Hendry has shown that he's a complete weak leader, poor leadership. I think he's unintelligible. I think he's actually confused, and I don't think he actually understands his role. I heard his speech. I've actually been pretty adamant about it. I've put stuff on Instagram. So New York City PBA, if you're listening, you want to control me after this, that's fine. But we have to be honest. He is not the man that should be leading the charge. And when I heard his speech after – in regards to the off-duty police officer that was encountered two armed assailants. And I say two armed assailants, I say, but they didn't have a firearm in them. But a police officer brings a gun uh, to an encounter, a street encounter, and it becomes a struggle, that is a gunfight because that gun could easily become anybody else. And sure, that police officer was shot in that incident. A tense scuffle for an officer's gun caught on camera. And tonight, the two brothers of the video are now under arrest. And the off-duty New York cop is recovering after getting shot in the leg. Eyewitness News reporter Sonia Rincon reporting from Queens tonight with what led up to all of this. It was an argument between drivers that escalated to this very quickly. At first, police say an officer off duty in his Kia was trying to get around a white minivan blocking the narrow service road on Queens Boulevard at around 1245 this afternoon, and some words were exchanged. But after he did get past the minivan, it followed him here to 70th Street. The male in the white vehicle had words with our MOS again, and a second male who was on foot ran up behind off-duty MOS's vehicle and smashed his window. A neighbor who heard the shouting hit record and saw the officer come out with his gun drawn. The chief of department says the officer identified himself as a cop and called 911. At one point, he puts his phone down. He grabs the mail who broke his uh, car window. He's holding the mail. He's announcing his authority that he's a police officer and that the male's under arrest. But he resisted arrest as the other man, his brother, pounced on the officer from behind. At that point, Chief Madry says the officer had returned his gun to its holster, needing both hands to make the arrest. They're trying to unholster his weapon. 
and take the weapon from him. Our officer grabs his weapon. He's trying to retain the weapon. All three of the males go down on the ground. Two shots were fired in the struggle, injuring the cop in the leg and one of the suspects in the hand. And his response was absolutely poor and weak. He thanked the same people that were responsible for the progressive laws and the legislation that has created this environment for the police officers. So I'm not sure if he actually understood what he said, but he said that we have an issue with the legislation and the progressives when it comes to police officers. And then at the same token, he thanked the judge in that case and thanked the Queens DA. I find that laughable. I find it ironic and I find it just blatantly stupid. What do you think? Yeah, I'd love to do a whole episode about that entire incident. You know, um, I'm very happy that the cops fine and well. Um, I think that it, it, it calls to a larger problem is that there is zero respect or fear of New York City police officers on or off duty and zero fear of the New York City criminal justice system. And I believe it calls to a bigger problem. I agree with Pat Hendry. I agree with what you're saying with Pat Hendry, that that whole thing showed what a poor speaker he is. Um, and I believe it even shows how he does not have the same knowledge as previous people that held that title. I, I personally think that Pat Lynch was full of crap, but I do think he gave good speeches. Um, he was fun. He was funding uh, far left progressives who are making your job and not a viable profession who have kept you from contracts that you should have had and should have never had had to wait that long. And that goes for every rank through. He, he, he harmed everybody in the New York City Police Department that was on during that time, I believe. But he spoke a lot better and he said a lot better things. It was a lot more powerful delivery. Pat Hendry just basically personified how cops do not understand how politics are directly involved in policing and day to day and how it affects your safety. You know, again, we got another guy who's going to be solely focused on contracts when they've done a horrible job at negotiating them. He's going to be solely focused on, on contracts when they try to give away your health care. I mean, this is this is not OK. Like you guys need to understand the politics of what is going on in New York City and how it's making your job not safe. I don't believe that you guys are safe. I don't believe anybody should be an undercover today. I believe anyone that's caught in an incident is 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 a, a very likely target of anybody, of any type of organized crime. And I do believe we're going to start to see a lot more corruption in the New York City Police Department, not because cops are corrupt, but because they're cowardly and because there'll be organized crime to, to threaten and coerce them to partake in incidents with them because they're not going to feel that they have the protection when they go home on New York City streets with their wife and family. What do you think about that, Eric? Oh, absolutely. We are definitely going to do a podcast about this incident. There's so much valuable and viable information that we could put out here. But I will say absolutely the zero support for the cops. And I think right now, just this incident alone, these two assailants fighting with this police officer off duty who – Initially, that's the only thing I agree with uh, John, with Chief Shell at this point, is that he said, as he's off duty, and once he took action, he's now on duty. That I do agree with. So I've been pretty expressive and adamant in his flaws. But that statement, I do agree with. So that we say off duty police officer, but once he decided to take action and he presented his firearm and identified himself as a police officer and indicated that they were going to be placed on the rest and call for backup, he was on duty. And whether I, I, I agree with his actions, getting involved or not, 
at some point he did get involved, and it just shows that these two assailants were confident that this police officer was not prepared to use his firearm because he doesn't have support from the legislative system and his own department and the public and the media that they took action and were ready. They were ready to kill this police officer, if you ask me. Clearly, it showed that. They just didn't have, they, they didn't have the ability and the capability, and they did not meet their ultimate goal. But I do believe that if they had the capability and if they were a lot of the time to kill this police officer, I do think they will. And I do think they would have taken that opportunity. It's unfortunate. And that's why I'm going to send this message right now. And I've said it to my cops many times, and I'm going to say it again. Do not take your firearm out of your holster unless you're prepared to use it. And I repeat, do not take that firearm out unless you're prepared to use it. Absolutely. It's the last resort option. Now you're stuck with that firearm in your hand. There's no going back at that point. You don't have enough time. So if you're pulling it out, it's to shoot them. If two men are attacking you and you're pulling it out, guess what? You're pulling that trigger. Get, that's the only way out, or it's going to end up what happened to this poor officer, or maybe even worse, end up in your death. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to say real quick, we talk about a lot of crazy stuff on here. I mean, every day in New York City streets, you guys deal with insanity. I mean, I, I really personally believe as much as we criticize the, the upper echelon of the NYPD, the appointed management, the New York City mayor, I think the rank and file, I think you guys are out there creating miracles every day dealing with insanity and coming to successful conclusions. However, if you have no life insurance, if you're not investing in your future, I think that you're very mistaken. Have life insurance. I bought life insurance young. It's very cheap. I have a lot of it. Uh, it's like my firearm. I don't ever want to use it, but I'm glad to have it. God forbid I need it. I want to protect my wife. I want to protect my kids. Make sure you look into your financial future. Uh, give uh, John and Henry a call at Lee Law Blue Wealth. Uh, they're regular guys. Free consultation, give them a talk, walk through things. Uh, really, it's time to invest in yourself. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services including investment management, retirement planning and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE. I just want to say for the men and women of the NYPD that are out there right now working the West Indy Parade in Brooklyn to be safe. Have a good time, of course. And listen, I I'm not going to lie. I've done that parade every year except for last year in my retirement 
And now in retirement here, it's two years since I've done the parade. It was actually a fun time. I've, you know, the costumes and people dancing, but unfortunately it's overshadowed by violence. It really is a shame because it is a good time. But so for the men and women that are there right now, be safe, be smart, enjoy it, enjoy the cultures. You know, it's, I, I love traveling and, and, and seeing different cultures and respecting and understanding different cultures. That's the enjoyment of it. But for the men and women that are there right now, be safe, be smart. Uh, if you are going to dance with women there, just be careful on, on, on how you do it and its appearance. You're still a police officer in uniform. So have fun, enjoy the community, be professional, and also watch people's hands. There's firearms in the crowd. Be safe. I saw someone got shot within arm's reach of me in that parade, and I still couldn't even see who the shooter was. So just be careful out there. And with that being said, along, of course, thank you to our viewers that are supporting us that are fond of the information that we put out. And for those haters out there, hey, we appreciate you too. You're still watching us. So please grab a shirt, 265 Police Live. They're sold right now, still at Myers, Staten Island, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. And if you like, it's available on our link at the website. It'll be available uh, once this, after this podcast comes out, we put it on. It'll be available in our uh, end clips. But thank you so much. As, of course, as always, John McCarry, my brother, I'll leave you with the last words, everybody. You know, have a good Labor Day. Absolutely. Be safe. You know, I've done Juve, I think, almost every year of my career. Uh, I did the parade once, including on Juve, long weekend, dangerous weekend, shots fired, shots fired at us. We didn't even know where the hell it was coming from. Uh, crazy times. Thank God nothing serious happened who I was with or who worked for me or who I worked with during all those times. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I, one of the reasons I love New York city, I love all the culture. Um, and for all of you that really don't agree with anything we're saying, you're always welcome to come on here, especially you, you retired guys. We don't really like to have active people on here, uh, but we're going to have to start. You're going to start seeing a lot more retired people, a lot more different interviews coming in, uh, sprinkled in with me and Eric, uh, doing our rants or talking about things that we talk about on the phone, basically things that you're talking about in the locker room. So, you know, don't feel just because we're in opposition to your position that you can't come on here and express yourself freely. We don't talk over people. We don't shout out, out at people. Um, you know, I will, we will disagree with you. I mean, it is what it is. That's, that's the part of a, a conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thank everybody for tuning in 265 police live. We are the experts. That doesn't mean just me and Eric. That means every professional, whatever you're in, you're the expert, not the media, not the politician. Don't let them talk down to you. You're the expert.